Hello, this is Reb Brad. You're listening to the podcast From the Touchline, a production of Soccer Chaplains United. Well, it's been an amazing couple of months with Advent, Christmas, and the World Cup all happening at the same time. We took a break a number of weeks ago from our Cambridge Rules of 1848 series, but we couldn't just drop the last rule, could we? To remind you, last summer I visited Cambridge, England. While I was there, I learned about the first known instance of codifying, or writing down, the rules of association football or soccer. In 1848, a group of Cambridge University students wrote out a set of 11 rules, and they nailed these to the trees surrounding Parker's Peace. Parker's Peace is a large grassy park in central Cambridge where they still play games to this day. Well, today, January 11, we wrap up the series with the 11th rule. So stay tuned. We get stuck in right after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're in the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Rule 11. Every match shall be decided by a majority of goals. Well, we finally come to the last of the Cambridge rules, and today's rule doesn't seem to have much question or controversy in it. There's no participation awards. There's no second place trophy. The game is decided by whoever has the most goals at the end of the match. I'm reminded of the colloquial phrase that has been marketed and branded here in the United States. It's often seen on bumper stickers of vehicles. He who dies with the most toys wins. It's a mindset and mentality of materialism that ignores the spiritual. The measure of success in life is how much one has accumulated and the overall value of that accumulation. Many games are won and measured in this way. So for the beautiful game, the majority of goals decides the winner of the contest. It doesn't matter how beautiful the play of a particular team. It doesn't matter if a particular individual scored a brilliant golazo or entertained and amazed fans in attendance. All that matters is that the team with the most goals at the end of the match wins. Simple. Done and dusted. So what's the life parallel? What's the faith parallel? Well, for a person without faith, then maybe the measure really is something like whoever has the most toys wins. But for people of faith, this cannot be the measure. Winners, in terms of Christian faith, are those who run a good race, who live a Jesus-filled life. The Apostle Paul writes to his friends in Corinth, they were people familiar with the foot races of the Ismanian Games, a competition only second to the Olympics. And so Paul's writing and he says, you've all been to the stadium. You've seen the athletes that race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No lazy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. You can read that. That's Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, and that's the message paraphrase. 
You see, for the Christian person, a successful life is measured not by the amount of world accolades or world accumulations. It's measured by a perseverance of faith throughout one's lifetime. It's about living out a life of faith in the midst of varying circumstances, whether one's wealthy or poor, sick or healthy, growing up first world or third world, and so on and so on. A number of years ago, there was a film entitled, You Can't Take It With You. In the film, a wealthy person is confronted with their pattern bullying and reaching for so many things. They're trying to grab up and possess so many different things. And they're reminded in a difficult moment that everything they're pursuing can't be taken past this life. And so the question is, is it really worth it? You know, if you can't take it with you, we might be reminded of Jesus's words in Matthew 16, 26. He says, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, but to forfeit their soul? Or what can a person give up in exchange for their soul? My friends, today, a simple match of football can be decided by a majority of goals. But our life here on earth is not so simply tasked with a majority winner. In fact, it might even be that someone who has lived an entire majority of their life as an adversary of God might still be deemed a winner at the end. If they will but confess sin, see Jesus as Savior, there's a story of a thief who died on a cross next to Jesus. It's poignant. And I ask, how many minutes or hours did he carry on the win into eternity? Because it seems he might have come in the additional time period of life, very nearly and literally at the death. So let's consider this as we consider this last Cambridge Rule of 1848. Every match, every football match, might be decided by a majority of goals, but our life is different.